This is Meatless, a podcast about eating. I'm Alicia Kennedy, a food and drink writer. I'll be having conversations with chefs and writers about how their personal and political beliefs determine whether or not they eat meat. The show will ask the question, how do identity, culture, economics, and history affect a diet? In this episode, I'm talking to writer Shanika Hillocks and photographer Theo Samuels. Shanika recently wrote a beautiful piece for Lenny Letter called Well Fed about falling in love with Theo over food, despite his veganism. We talked about how to find balance in a relationship divided over meat consumption, staying open while traveling, and how they navigate the kitchen. Thank you so much, Shanika and Theo, for being here. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Thanks for the invite. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can you each tell me about where you grew up and what you ate? Sure. I can start. So I was born in Long Island, but moved to Florida when I was very young and raised by my grandparents. So I think that kind of skewed our food at the kitchen table. Um, They were diabetic and just adjusting things to their health and as such, you know, the food that we ate was reflective of that. So I grew up eating rice every day. My grandparents are Caribbean. My grandma's from Guyana. My grandpa's from St. Vincent. So rice was definitely a staple in our family. Um, Curry, Milo, which is like, instead of Nesquik, it's a Caribbean equivalent. And instead of milk, I didn't grow up eating any dairy. I was kind of weird about texture at that age. Um, No yogurt, no cheese, but we had like evaporated milk (laughs) in our Milo every morning. Um, And then not a lot of meat either. I mean, I think for holidays we would have like a goat or a veal for Easter or a pepper pot for Christmas. But for the most part, never grew up even going to restaurants, McDonald's, anything like that. Every meal was home cooked. And yeah, there was that Caribbean influence in the day to day. Well, yeah, mine is uh, similar in the sense that I'm I'm Jamaican, so born Jamaican, and uh, obviously in in the Caribbeans there's a wider range where there'd be seafood and more so really dealing with the the, the chicken, pork, um, not so much beef. Uh, I think beef was the the like the expensive meat there. So, but um, I spent uh, up until about ten uh, in Jamaica, and then we we traveled all up and then. Ended up in Vermont, so ended up uh, eating more of a New England um, slash Caribbean because you know we we uh, my dad had remarried, so my my stepmother at the time was a, a, a white Vermonter, so it's kind of like that infused into the Caribbean um, style of cooking, which was kind of strange because it, it meant going like something like uh, a a cabbage and and boiled you know uh, potatoes with spices, you know, with like jerk spice and, you know, like all these other little elements to it. So it's quite interesting. But what we had, um, we had a restaurant, we've always had restaurants. So pretty much the gamut of food has been in my life in terms of, um, you know, we had one in Jamaica. So it was more so Jamaican style food, but um, we had a kind of a middle to high class restaurant in Vermont. And that was a little bit more of an American standard. So food wise... Pretty much everything. <laughs> milk. Yeah, the whole gamut. Yeah. So milk, meat, cheese, lamb, everything. <laughs> right. I think another um, component to the food that was at our table as well was 
my grandparents have always had a backyard and grew up picking peppers, picking fruits from a tree, like having citrus in the morning, maybe juice, grapefruit juice. Um, so that's another element that I think, um, to Theo's point about spices, like my grandma would grow thyme or, you know, hot peppers to make pepper sauce. So that was another element that was really uh, pertinent throughout my years growing up. So, so it's interesting with that. For me, it, it's almost like I have to think about that because it was such a standard for me to, it was, it's normal. We had spices, times and everything. We didn't buy those things, you know, right. it's kind of like, yeah, it was available and it was always, you know, picked. So it, it wasn't until much later, even really coming into early high school that I was kind of like, oh, wow, you know, we're really, we're buying everything, you know. Yeah. Um, but in Jamaica, was, that's a standard, you know, um, having a scotch bonnet pepper outside your front door, thyme, herbs, all those herbs, um, you rarely bought them. I mean, when you did, it was basically for the, the big Sunday meals or the Saturday meals. So Nice. Um, so when did you decide to become vegan? Around, uh, I, th- I think I'm hitting around four years now. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that's, that's the timeline now. Uh, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's really interesting because it's not, um, sure enough, it's, it, it's, a, pro- it's a progression because right. really I stopped eating. Um, pork was the first thing I stopped eating. Um, beef was next. And as I, as I kind of limited all the things that I felt that weren't really beneficial, I kind of noticed, like say, when I stopped eating beef and I would, you know, after a couple of months of not eating it, I'd eat something and it just sank in my belly and I could literally feel it go through my system. Um, but after, after a while, you know, basically getting rid of uh, the things that I felt like didn't really make me feel any better, I got to pretty much a pescatarian lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And if, I could definitely tell you the story because it's actually really, it's, it's slightly emotional, right? Um, so one day I went out and I, I, I loved octopus. That was kind of like the, the last hold on. Um, picked up the fresh octopus, took it back home, um, you know, put it in the fridge, just, you know, waiting the day to t- uh, um, uh, cook it for dinner. Got to the fridge, opened it and took it out and was just about to cut it. And just emotionally, I couldn't do it. <laughs> just, just could not do it. So fine. I was like, all right, you know what? Uh, maybe I'm not ready for it. Put it back in the fridge. Um, came back later, spiced it up a bit and said, you know, all right, um, maybe I'm ready for this. And I, I took it out. And I looked at it and I was like, all right, well, I don't know why I'm not feeling for this because it just feels really weird right now. So put it back the next day, right around lunchtime. I was like, all right, it's been in the fridge a day now. I really need to cook it because otherwise <laughs> it's going to go bad. Um, and my head is like, yeah, I paid good money for this. I can't, <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I can't let it go bad. So sure enough, I took it out. And as I'm about to like, just like cut it and, and, and yeah, put the pot on, I just couldn't. It was just like this weird emotional thing that came over me and I kid you not I kind of like saw the animal as just live you know it's just like like looking at it in its environment and I just emotionally couldn't do it and um from then on I I couldn't put anything like that in my mouth Mm -hmm. so and did you decide to start cutting things out from from a health perspective or or did were you inspired at first from an animal rights perspective so I I would like to say um um my animal rights is based on an individual thing. And, and 
I'm not the vegan that kind of goes, you know what, everybody needs to do this. Right. I see the benefits and I'm definitely in agreement with all of the benefits. Um, but at the same time, we all go through a different uh, progression in our life. So why should I tell you, you could be at any stage in your life, you know, sometime you may choose or may not. So why should I force you into something I believe or think I'm right in? So I don't really go that route, mm -hmm. um, but I definitely... I think there's a huge amount of benefits to it for me emotionally, um, physically. Um, but, you know, it's, it's kind of weird just thinking about it now. I, I, it's, it was really just me choosing uh, to be better about one, yeah, health, but also just when we make that conscious decision to, to actually make a choice for ourselves, that's really what, what kind of kept the, the ball rolling for me. It wasn't necessarily going, oh, well, yeah, this is super beneficial health-wise and for the planet. Mm -hmm. It was just like making that singular choice. Right. And I think that at first it was hard, but then, you know, make it over and over. It becomes easy. Yeah. Shanika, have you ever been vegetarian or vegan? I would identify as vegetarian growing up. Um, but if Theo's like commitment to veganism is progression, then I have a regression, I guess you can say. Um, so as I grew up, started going to friends' houses, making decisions, I would remember like my grandma was saying like, you know, if there's pork or whatever, like you just, you know, politely decline. And then I started working in a restaurant, but like definitely like small town sports bars, so, like chicken and beer and all of that. So like I just started eating a ton of that stuff. Um, and then I think the biggest transition for me was when I studied abroad in Spain and there's just like ham galore, <laughs> um, cheese as well. And just really exploring that part of my palate. Um, it's just something I hadn't had in my life before. And then kind of going like ham, literally like crazy, <laughs> um, tasting and experiencing those textures and flavors. Um, and then coming back and, after realizing, you know, I needed to make a little bit more money, but loved the flexibility of serving, I transitioned into a finer dining restaurant uh, for Florida standards. <laughs> but there we uh, were taught about seasonality and the menu changed um, frequently. The restaurant seasons 52. Some people may know it, but um, that was the first time where, you know, you know, you have cobia and here's how you can blend it with a curry or, you know, squash blossoms are in season or fiddlehead ferns and how, how those tastes and, and how you can enjoy at peak freshness. So I think when I was experienced uh, that, that was kind of an influence for my food decision. Like seasonality makes sense. I would like to eat things in season, but I identify more so as a flexitarian more than anything. Um, you know, I definitely do feel better when I am more veggie forward or vegan. Um, when we cook at home, that tends to be the cuisine, but because I am in the food and drink space, I write about food and drink, like, you know, some of those previews, warrant um, wonderful Cote de Boeufs or <laughs> ducks or, you know, et cetera and so forth. So I flex. Right. So to add to what she said, um, part of my progression was almost again in contrast. So when I went to Europe, um, I recognized that the ingredients were so much better and the products were so much better um, taste wise, just uh, ingredients wise. And I was so disappointed in our American standard um, that I came back and started to cut out more things out of out of my my diet based on what I knew um, the European standard was and the flavor. So it's, it's like I, I, you leave America and you have um, a tomato, for example, 
and it's <laughs> to, to compare when you come back, it tastes like a, a juicy cardboard in essence, you right. know, the American tomato <laughs> versus, you know, the uh, Italian or French tomatoes where it's just like the fragrance you can, it'll hit you right before, right as you get into the market. Um, and you know, that's not even an organic tomato. Right. So, you know, what am I really putting in my body here? So I really had to kind of make a, a conscious choice of, all right, let's look into this. Let's try to make a better decision. And so Europe was a, was a step for me. <laughs> <laughs> so what uh, inspired you to write about your relationship in terms of food for Lenny Letter? Sure. So originally when I had gotten into contact with the editor, thanks to you, shout out, <laughs> um, it was a thought prior because Theo's birthday was coming up. And so I thought that I would like write our story like for him as a gift. And then I myself too kind of wanted to establish more of my personal creative writing voice. I am an English major, so I had experienced, uh, you know, prompts on creative writing and memoir, um, but haven't really dived into it that much in this professional realm. And so I got the idea, really sat on it for just a day because I was like, you know what, there is a sort of privacy that I do want to maintain regardless of, you know, how public writing is um, and can be. Um, but I, you know, sat with it, had the conversation with a couple of good friends and kind of went with the pitch and it was accepted right away. And so it took me a few days, though. I even remember kind of being very discreet with him and telling him how I wanted that I was going to do this one, but you know, it was important for me not to really disclose names and, and just have a narrative that I think is more relatable. But still, it, it I think writing the personal, especially when it comes to someone you you care about or you're in, lo in love with, it's it's interesting. But food has been such a common trope in our relationship from the beginning. And so it started to flow very seamlessly as as the piece progressed. How did you feel about reading it? It was a little odd. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was kind of like, it's like a flashback dream state because you don't, you don't really think about it in, in that voice. Um, so for me, it was really, it is, it was actually quite touching. Um, but I, I was just like, wow, you know, here's, here's a voice that I don't hear telling the story of us. And it was like really seamlessly done and really beautifully done. And I was, I was really touched, but at the same time, I was like, I'm private, yeah. <laughs> I'm like super <laughs> private. So she did a great job of it. So initially, as I started reading, I was in my head, I was going to be like, yeah, am I ready for this? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but it, it worked. It worked perfectly. And I, I actually really enjoyed it. I think she's super fucking talented. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's her brilliance. So she did a great job. Why do you think it's relatable? Do you, have, do you know a lot of people who kind of straddle this dietary world? It's, I, I think more so for me, it wasn't even the food per se. And I think, yes, to your point, we're seeing more and more. We live in New York City. There are options yeah. very clearly stated. Um, and people are very boisterous about, hey, you know, I'm an omnivore vegan or I eat like meat on the weekends, but not during the week. But it was more so just the narrative about, I think, modern love. Um, and it's one of the first pieces where I've had a lot of inbound emails and just saying, you know, I personally was not well-fed. I took those words to mean not only physical satiation, right. but emotional and, and mental, spiritual as well. And so I think that was 
the the common trope that you might be able to find as someone who's reading the piece. Right, right, right. And do you experience challenges at all going out to eat? Because it makes it in the piece, it feels so natural and and and. I don't think we've actually experienced a heavy challenge. Okay. Um, I think what's interesting in New York prior to us, there is this level of um, like almost divide in, in dating in New York where you're like, what, you're vegan? Ah, I don't know if I can do that, you know? Right, yeah. And all of a sudden it's kind of like, what, you're from Queens? Nah, I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> so here's this crazy divide already. But when we got together, um, you know, it, once again, it's not, not for me to say you have to be, you know, this in order for this to work. You know, we went out and I showed her all the spots where some great terrible foods were, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, some Chinatown uh, specials. And, um, you know, we, we loved it because it was more about an experience, uh, about kind of showcasing something that we you may not know and we can just share together and then finding another little gem. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, we haven't... If occasionally, we, we do run into what I call the potato uh, dish, yeah. you know, the constant, um, what, are, what do we have to eat on this menu? Oh, look, it's potato, <laughs> right. you know, um, whether it be fried or mashed or whatever, right. it's really potatoes. And yeah, I'm not going to sit there and go for a salad. And I love that recommendation. It's like, hey, excuse me, I'm vegan. Can the chef put together a dish where it's just mainly vegetables or whatever, you know, make something, make something presentable. And that's right. really what we ask for in, in particular places that are, you know, she may want to try something and it's not necessarily vegan friendly 100%. But I look on the menu, I'm like, wow, they have this and this and, the, you know, they have zucchini and they have, you know, squash here. But then you ask the, the, the wait staff and they're like, yeah, we can't do that. Right. Yeah. Like take all the sides that you would from all these mains and combine yeah. them. It seems like yeah. it, it's, a crazy it's, ask. It's, yeah, it blows my mind because <laughs> they're like, I'm sorry, we can't do that. Um, and one of the biggest ones I got, I was um, at a fairly established uh, um, restaurant and the the wait staff looked at me she's like yeah our chef is way too busy to <laughs> to do that and it's like so he doesn't have any help back there apparently right, right, right. and uh, if that's the case he's not creative to go outside his boundaries to just put some things on the plate and make it look good yeah you know it's just yeah. like it don't even have to make it look good just put it on the plate <laughs> <laughs> i hate getting that that you order the sides and they take they bring like six little plates yeah out and you're like <laughs> really? I actually, I actually just put them on the plate, but either way, um, we don't really find that it's difficult. I, I cook and I know enough to kind of say, all right, ask this question. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, then more than likely we can get something to eat from there. Yeah. And I think when we are like scoping out restaurants, I'm very in intentional and like upfront about saying, Hey, like I'm my partner or like my plus one is going to be vegan. So like, right. please, um, you know, accommodate. We also just off the heels of a trip and we kind of did a balance of, of both of our respective diets. Um, you know, we were traveling through France and I'm just like France, like cheese. That's yeah. <laughs> really yeah. what I'm yeah. thinking of. Yeah. But um, no, I was just very communicative, like in kind of upfront in my research, we closed our trip in Paris and, you know, Paris is more of a metropolis, but it was awesome just to even find like a cute little vegan spot around the way and like have that moment to enjoy and balance all of the indulgences that we were consuming. I think it like to her credit, um, she really loves that uh, um, planning adventure finding stage. Right. So, you know, it really benefits me because most of the time, you know, she knows what she enjoys, but at the same time that seek and find is part of her nature. So, 
it's really interesting that we're you know we're in paris and lo and behold she's like yeah we found that one little vegan spot and it's you know you know half an hour walk away you know, <laughs> let's go and so to her credit yeah she really does do a lot more of the research um i just go and enjoy it right, right, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, i know you're very private but there is the interesting text that you sent the first time you met was, do you like duck? Why was that the question you asked? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a meat that not a lot of people experience. Right. Um, and you can have bad duck and really good duck. And I've been fortunate enough. And I thought it was just like that, that, that little thing that you can kind of like test a level of where someone is in terms of foodie or not or you know palates right so a lot of people you'll hear and they're like ah don't like duck you know it's just yeah, like yeah, all right yeah. well what about it you know so it was kind of a conversation starter and a, 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 a kind of a, a test of where you are in terms of you know choice of food or understanding of food and so right. we went for it <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was so beautiful the way you in the piece you were afraid of what it would be like to date a vegan when he came out to you. Right. And then like mid pork dumpling bite. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> but then when he describes this duck, he, that he ate at the four seasons, yep. it becomes, he, you can tell how much he loves food. Right. And so did you have an idea of vegans as people who didn't necessarily love food or not necessarily not loving food, but just like, I just thought about my day today. I was very like ego forward in that moment. And I was just like, well, you know, I love doing this. And he's already shown me, you know, a couple stops along the way. And I'm kind of confused at this, you know, reveal of, of who you are. But, um, yeah, no, I just think definitely first and foremost, it was very eye forward. I was just like, how are we going to do adventures? Like, I'm already enjoying this so much. I would like to repeat it, but what is it going to be like? Cause I hadn't had that experience when I would go out to eat. I would necessarily say, you know, Hey, today I'm feeling like I would like to have vegetable options. I would pretty much be open to the chef's recommendation or what was presented to me. So, um, yeah, just kind of thinking about that prior and then with his confession, um, <laughs> yeah, <confession>. learning, <laughs> <laughs> learning how to adjust. Right, it right, was right. a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> it was Saturday, but it's fine. Saturday. <laughs> so how do you guys both cook a lot? You both are at home. How does Theo, that work? I would say cooks more than I do. Um, <laughs> I do enjoy cooking, uh, kind of as a form of like self self care and I enjoy the start to finish process, but he is definitely the more dominant cook in the relationship. Yeah. We, we have different styles, but, um, yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm more carefree, really just whimsical, just give me a thought and I'll make something around that thought. So, right, right, right. Um, but you're yeah, more of a planner. Absolutely. I'm like, <laughs> let's look at the recipe. Let's call, like look at the grocery list that accompanies it. I, I have some of my like go-tos that I'm like, all right, I've mastered this. Like I know. Can, I Her can biscuits do are phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, they have real butter. Oh, uh, <laughs> she just told me that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so do you, you do get kind of go flex, flexitarian ish on your veganism? Um, so I would like to claim that 98% because right. uh, or sometimes even like on vacation it's kind of like a 95 so for me it's still about the experience right, and right, it's right. still about being able to speak about something and have that understanding flavor palate whatever it may be 
um, we were in uh, um, uh, Narbonne mm -hmm. and or Narbonne. I don't know how to say <laughs> it anymore. Because south of France. <laughs> this is the south of France. <laughs> um, and we went to this fantastic restaurant. We, we had a tour of the salt marsh and it was just absolutely beautiful. Sat down to eat and all of a sudden they're like, oh, you have to try this fish you have to try this this uh um snail like snail. oyster uh, snail, mus but, mus <laughs> you know soup to nuts soup. whatever it was in the ocean well, which one did they they grow there the um the oysters that oh, you tried yeah. yeah and you know it's oysters that were grown there they don't have them pretty much anywhere else um the, the salinity in them are it's, it's phenomenal. phenomenal so you know i can't leave this environment and go, you know, yeah, they had it, but we didn't try it. Yeah. So I definitely um, had about three. <laughs> had one and I was forced into two more, but it was definitely delicious. So things like that. Yeah, I'll flex and, and um, you know, have an experience. Right, right, right. So do you, both of you, how do you feel about the idea of cooking as uh, political? Is, is that something that crosses your mind? Well, it's interesting because... Every time we have more, I think, intimate dining experience, if, if a friend or someone invites us, like we accept invitations based on, I think, that kind of curation of people. Like recently at the last dinner that we had, a really good friend of mine, Fola, she's African and her partner is a Jewish man, but has spent some time in Africa and had just a collective of people from all different walks of life. But all the over. Food was, <laughs> the food was African and it was just phenomenal to sit, eat, talk and, and understand and have those types of conversations. I think the one thing for me that's really awesome about food is that it really does bring all walks of life together. Like music, it's, it's a universal thing and it's so much to learn from, but also a way in which to kind of bring people back to, to some sort of connection. Absolutely. What do you mean in terms of politics? Because I feel like I misunderstood the question there. Well, it, it can be whether your food choices reflect how you would like the world to be or if your food choices create community. It okay. can be kind of anything you, you want it to mean. So I definitely look at it as aiming to do like, um, as Shanika described, that slight UN yeah. uh, feel at the, the table. Because um, that's how my friends feel. Uh, I don't really have that one lineage of friend. It's kind of like they're from everywhere. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I purposely kind of make those choices, especially when it comes to um, dinners we go to from a friend's house and or what we're bringing or the conversations we have. Um, I also think, too, because, you know, I think we started the conversation saying, you know, my grandparents' food choices at our table were reflective of their health and their decline of health or, or what have you. And for me, anytime I am educating family at home, you know, when I visit home and I get spinach instead of iceberg or olive oil instead of canola oil, like that for me, especially in the African-American black community, like utilizing food as medicine absolutely is something that I am resonating with more and more as I come into, you know, looking as food as an alternative to over the counter or, or something of that nature. And so from a political standpoint, that is something I aim and hope to see more of more education in that space and more people of color making those choices in order to kind of eliminate disease that often runs in our in our families you know i i had this moment where something very similar happened um this gentleman uh, we were discussing food and 
for me, it's obviously something I've studied and practiced. And um, he was talking about salt, and I said not all salt is is the same, you know. Um, and started to describe <laughs> the, the salt, and he looks at me. He's, he's a black gentleman, older, probably around in the, the late fifties, sixties, and he's like what do you mean? Salt is salt. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, no. Salt is not salt. And so my aim was at that point to, to educate him about what you're putting in your body. If you're using a, uh, table salt, you know, versus, um, a Himalayan salt or a sea salt. And he just couldn't, couldn't have it, you know? And, and at that point I realized there's, there's so much more to just the small, um, understanding. This doesn't have to be, Oh, you know, you eat, uh, you eat too many burgers. You know, it, it really could be, all right, you know what, fine, you can consume your burgers, but be aware of how and what that is, you know, what's going on, what's in your, your bread, your burger, or your, the vegetables that you're eating with that. But so that conversation with him about salt really changed my mind and how to communicate to people about food itself. Um, and that was actually, that was, that was an eye-opener because salt is not salt. <laughs> <laughs> so, salt is salt, salt is not salt. <laughs> not all salt is equal, no. <laughs> Great, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely, thank, thank you. you for taking Appreciate the time. listening to meatless season one i'll be back in september with new episodes if you'd like to support the show's production please visit our patreon at patreon.com meatless 